0: Hello and welcome to the Cloud and Blue podcast. My name is Dan and I'm joined here this afternoon by John Townley to look at AZ Outmark in a bit more detail, a, a debrief of the game, if you like. Obviously, we did the post-match reaction on Thursday evening. Me and Matt Kendrick did 20 minutes, but half of that was about dogs, puns, uh, football pet peeves. We didn't really talk about the game too much, so I feel like we've had a, a duty to go into things in a bit more detail. So, John, thank you very much for joining me. We're going to go through AZ Outmark for 20 minutes or so as a separate upload, and then later on the channel, there'll be our inside body show for fulham like our match preview some of the comments who watched it on the friday were like it's weird watching this back of people who've not seen things of like replays that i've seen because it's now the next day and but that was like we just got back here's our initial thoughts so we'll talk about the the vr decision the the corner that shouldn't have been a corner Uh, and we'll get to that in a second but we said how if you'd have just looked at it on paper I would have expected a 4-1 win at Villa Park and a KG2 one where they go ahead at their place. So for the roles to be reversed is is strange, but it's always strange when you play somebody twice back-to-back like that anyway. Not the game that I expected it to be, but important that Villa and Emery found a way to win despite not really being anything special themselves, I didn't think.
1: Yeah, precisely. And I think that's a good thing because we need yeah. to overcome these tests before the knockouts because there'll be a game or a few games. I mean, hell, all of the games could be really difficult, but you know, we could be playing a team um, who are half-decent like at Alkmaar and we could come unstuck at home and we could lose 1-0 away because while Clement Longley's goal should have stood, Villa <laughs> um, should not have had that corner. And if they were 1-0, uh, as we were we were one nil down and we probably shouldn't have had that equaliser and who knows what would have happened in the last 20 minutes. So it's nice to have the experience of coming back from a goal behind. Even at home, doing it away from home is obviously much harder, but you'd like to mm. think that Villa wouldn't be in a position where they were behind anyway. Um, but if that is the case, yeah, it's nice to have that experience. And that's, as I say, what Emery highlighted after the game. We need to kind of feel our way into the competition because this competition is very different to the Europa League and the Champions League. These are teams that see Villa as a scalp. Rightly, probably are the bookies' favourites to win it, even when the Europa League teams come down. Because I was looking last night at the teams who are currently in third place, and you've got, you know, like Slavia Prague, uh, AEK Athens, teams like those who are, you know, decent, but they're not going to be favourites over little in the competition. So we need to take our experiences in each game. um, You know, winning 4-1 away to Alkmaar is brilliant for confidence, but it doesn't teach us too much. But I think coming a goal behind against Alkmaar at home probably teaches us probably a lot more. So, um, yeah, good experience and a good probably learning curve as well, I think, for
0: for the squad. And just a strange way that it played out, because I wasn't expecting it to be an easy game as such, but because we'd beaten them 4-1 at their place, Very recently, you think, well, we're better at Villa Park. It should be fairly straightforward. But you do do kind of forget the fact that they were semi-finalists in this competition last year. So there were obviously no mugs. And the way it panned out is how it should have panned out, is we should have gone ahead in the first couple of minutes and that goal should have stood. Obviously, being in the stadium last night and having not seen it back when we filmed last night, I was just like, oh, it was a bit of a confusion. I assume Bailey was offside from the corner, I'd come back to him. Having seen it back and for them to have come out afterwards and said, oh, yeah, we we, we apologise to the, was it Tiedemann said afterwards, I think, in the in the, the mix zone or whatever. The club have been told that that was wrong straight away. That's very unusual and thankfully we'd gone on to win the game anyway and technically it doesn't matter but I would have expected a very different game had that long leg goal should have rightfully stood in the first two minutes.
1: Yeah I think so I think if Villa go a goal ahead then they'll probably win the game relatively comfortably. Uh, It could have been a
0: 3 or 4 nil kind of thing couldn't it?
1: Yeah to be fair it was a weird one because uh, in the press box we have the the benefit of having little monitors next to us so we can see all the replays as they happen so uh, when it was called off it, i was very confused because i was thinking <laughs> well he's not offside <laughs> so I, I i must i was thinking oh there must be a rule yeah. that i'm not aware of that maybe it's like last man back or something if if they I, that was the, only I mean, thing the way
0: the games often... go now i do sit there sometimes and think i don't exactly. know the rules anymore so I that's don't know what is going
1: on. yeah and that's why there weren't many um reporters or journalists or whatever like kind of saying on twitter like by the way it was onside it's yeah, like he it was wrong yeah. wrongly called offside because no one wants to make the mistake of being told in the comments you're an idiot this is the rule <laughs> <laughs> you know that sort of thing um so that's what i automatically thought i thought well the the uh player who's cleared off the line was it pavlidis i think a uh, really good clearance and you know what yeah. should have scored, but there's not much more he could do. The ball's going in. Um, so I just thought, yeah, the last man back rule maybe or something. That's something that I'm just not aware of. So I don't know how VAR got that so wrong because he was clearly on side Bailey. So I don't know yeah. what if there's a mix-up on communication or something like we saw with the Liverpool and Tottenham game. I don't know. That would be the only way I could explain it because. It was quite clearly on side and they checked it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know whether we get the audio back or whatever it may be. I think the officials are Portuguese. So I presume they would have been communicating in their own language. Um, so I, I don't know. We haven't seen why it wasn't given. But yeah, ultimately, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. if Villa were to draw that game... Then it would be a huge talking point because we would have been um, robbed of a start that I
0: think would have given us the platform, as you say, Dan, to probably win the game quite comfortably. I suppose these things even out, don't they? That they go ahead, rightfully so. They had a goal ruled out, didn't they? Which was actually a really nice move, to be honest. Yeah, the that they scored that was a uh, was offside. Um, offside many times. Thanks, thanks to Villa's uh, offside trap doing its doing its thing. I'm uh, really looking forward to that Villa Spurs game, by the way, in a couple of weeks. That could be quite something with the two hard lines <laughs> competing against each other. But these things tend to even themselves out, thankfully, pretty quickly for Villa. Uh, AZ score. Better go up the other end and score from a corner, which shouldn't have been a corner. You say it's one of those, they've had one, we've had one, and that kind of restores the game back yeah. to some kind of even balance, I guess. Good header though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't tend to see them being evened out um, in the same game. It's usually like yeah. the course of a season, you know, the table never lies sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the um, where the official was standing. I know obviously the linesman was obviously his view was must have been blocked, but it was never a corner. I think it was Classy, who the former Southampton player, who kind of covered around on the back post. And to be fair, from where I was sitting, I thought oh, it must be a corner as well because the ball when it hit Kamara's shin or whatever. I don't know how he's missed, but it went so so much over the bar. I <laughs> That's the wrong word, but it went.
0: Yeah. It cleared the bar. Not such a distance. Uh, you thought well, it must have yes, been a exactly. Different.
1: Yeah, it yeah. must have been a good tackle. And <laughs> Classy got up, and he was he was taking some like. um uh, like handshakes off his teammates and stuff. And then when I saw it back, I was like, <laughs> that's why he wasn't <laughs> celebrating like he scored a goal. Because you were thinking, wow, that's brilliant. That's tack. Really well, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't think their manager was best pleased that they didn't get like um, an apology or anything after the game like Villa did. But I suppose it's because of VAR. But VAR can't get involved in mm. uh, everything that happens on the pitch. And I know some people say, oh, that's why VAR should be there. It should be there to kind of overturn those clear and obvious errors. But... But I suppose you're opening every decision on the pitch then becomes a VAR incident, which is something that we don't want because, God, games will be lasting like twice as long um, if there's like multiple, several VAR calls every 10 minutes because of little fouls here and there. So... yeah, Villa you know, got away with one, but then also they should have had a you know, a good start anyway in the first few minutes. So, yeah, I don't think AZ can have too many complaints, to be fair.
0: Just on VAR, very quickly, I'm going to massively put you on the spot here. I did not say I was going to uh, do this subject. If you were put in charge for <laughs> the PGMOL to fix it, to change it, to implement it in a different way, do you think there's a better solution to use VAR or would you be of the mind to scrap it entirely
1: no I'm I'm all for VAR when it becomes um it know, works in or... Those no, but those clear and obvious errors, they are things that need to be stamped out. And when it was first introduced, I think everyone thought, Well, you can't possibly get these decisions wrong then because you can quite literally see it and your job as a referee is to yeah. make decisions and quite often I do actually think they're black and white. I think mean, very rarely are they kind of grey areas, like you had the Watkins penalty against Palace. I think that was a bit of a grey area, but you can see why he's given a penalty. And I think mm. you had to give that penalty. That's about as kind of contentious as it gets. All the other stuff is pretty obvious to me um And I think a lot of, you know, football fans agree. And I think it's weird how on Twitter and stuff, like after a big incident, almost ninety five percent of the posts that you'll see are kind of in favour of one thing, and there's very rarely any posts about the thing that the referee is given when it's a controversial mm. thing. So that makes me think why they're making these decisions and how can they have a completely different opinion to the normal football fan. That's the thing that I don't understand. So I'm all for VAR. But I don't know what the refs are being told by whoever's making calls and things like that because some of the decisions that they do give are just barmy, And I don't mm. know why there can't be consistency because it's, it must be harder than what it looks because a lot of things are wrong almost every week. But, you know, we all know... Th- when something should be a handball and when it shouldn't be. We all know what the rule is, but then it seems to change every now and again. And its I, I just don't understand that. So I think it needs to just come from the top. Like, here's a list of things that are fouls and here's a list of things that aren't fouls. What can you see? And is it—is it, is it does, does that rule apply? And if it does, then it's a penalty or it's whatever. So hmm. yeah, that's my kind of gripe with it. I just don't understand how it's so kind of murky because a lot of decisions are usually black and white. So. I think with that
0: Liverpool Spurs one from a few weeks ago and I know we've already talked about this before but when they released the audio from that back and I'm pretty sure they said that like the audio that we heard isn't like the ref can't hear all of it but there seems to be a lot going on yeah. where it could yeah, be yeah, yeah. a much more simplified process of right I need to see this okay here it is to give a better explanation of what you're actually doing rather than just kind of yeah. mind numbingly going through yeah, you it need... thinking everyone knows what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah do you need four people in a, in a, in a caravan or whatever? they're in to <laughs> um to tell them that you need to check the monitor like if, if you see a foul uh hi mate there's a foul can you check the monitor yeah
0: and this <laughs> is a foul think? this is, is what i can this see on player. a screen
1: yeah. yeah yeah and again it's probably not this simple but i can't really see how it can't <laughs> do you know what i mean it just yeah. you, you can see see what you can um sorry give what you can see on a screen it, like it's your job to call a foul and if it's a foul then give it mm. when it's not done but for some reason it just seems to be so complicated and I don't know why.
0: Do you think there's any merit on this like the managers get three says each or three goes each to say, I I don't agree with that. Can we have a look at it?
1: No, I just don't think it needs to be this complicated. You know, when you watch a football match, most football fans can identify, oh, that should probably be a foul. They should check that and whatever it may be. I just think a lot of it is pretty much common sense and the stuff that Mm. isn't common sense hits the news. And I don't know why uh, a lot of decisions are being made or aren't, you know, being checked. So, um yeah i just think the whole thing needs to be more simplified in terms of the actual rules and what the referees are being asked to look at and what they don't look at for some you know for some decisions they should be looking at so it's very mm. complicated but i think it just starts from the top of here's what the rules are and here's what we should be um doing about it. VR itself I think is totally fine and as Emery says, I think
0: it's got a place in the game for sure. We did the unsung man of the match last night and I gave mine to Emi Martinez, which I know sounds mad for who's someone who's just won the best goalkeeper in the world to be like, oh he's unsung. But in that game yeah. specifically, I almost gave it to Diego Carlos, but he scores so, you know, he's obviously getting recognition anyway. I thought Martinez, and I, was, I said this last night, so forgive me for repeating myself, I thought he played the sweeper-keeper role very well. The high line is obviously high. He comes out and he's very good at it, uh, clearing the ball away. When he's in possession, he's a third centre-back. He's pinging balls around. I, I thought he was excellent. Uh, made some good saves. Obviously, he's conceded, but overall, a, a, a good game from him. If you had to pick your unsung man of the match, who would you go for?
1: I'd probably go for uh, Carlos's partner, Longley, I think. Mm, yeah. Because... I know Villa conceded, but I think because we're kind of playing this high line and it is quite experimental for these players because Carlos and Longlo have only played what three games, maybe four games this season mm. as a pair. Um, I just think is very good. You know, I think it's very difficult to pick. Five centre backs who could do what Torres can do in in Premier League football in terms of being a left footer that can progress the ball and give that um, you know that relative level of uh, passing ability. And I'm not saying Longley is as good as Torres because he's not, but I think he he definitely fills his shoes when Villa are asking you know to play certain passes. He is progressive. I think he had 90% pass accuracy against AZ. There was like 84 passes. It was 93 that he uh, tried. They came off 10 passes into the final third, which isn't like outrageous, but in previous games as well, he's kind of stepped up to that mark. So, I think he's done very well and I think he's quite underrated actually. I think when he played for Tottenham last year I think most centre-backs would struggle in that team. Like Romero yeah. who's a good defender is a bit of a hothead and a bit of a liability at some points but he's proven this season that he that he can defend well and last season he was all over the place so I think yeah. that's almost the time for Longley. Um, you give them the structure to work in and they'll prove why they're a good player and why team like Barcelona signed him a few years ago. So yeah, I think he's a very indirect player and it's a shame for him that he probably can't play Premier League games because he's not going to get above Torres unless he's unavailable. But I think it's very important, especially in the structure that Villa are playing. And Emery says that the, t- the players that come in, they need to fit into that structure. He's not going to change it. For yeah. for example, he's not going to suddenly build a team around Tielemans in the conference league. He's going to ask Tielemans to do what um, the player does that, came out for him if that makes sense it's it's the same for Longley yeah Longley is going to play exactly how Paul Torres plays uh, sorry he's been asked to play like that Um, and that's his challenge and I think he's done it very well considering that Torres is such a key cog in the Premier League eleven. as such Mm. I think you know, we're not really seeing too much of a drop off in terms of you know what happens in uh, in the defense in terms of that kind of possession. And then just defensively again, as I say, that high line worked well against mm. AZED. Yes, we did concede one goal, but we caught them offside eight times. They almost didn't know what to do in the first half. AZED. There was there was a point where that Muller Wolf left back he beat a couple of players and they were like doing some little like ticky tacka passes and it looked really good. But then he tried to kind of he kind of just. Melted, he didn't know what to do uh, as soon as he got past the halfway line and he kind of just passed it forward. And there was no one there, and he was like, Right, we'll have the ball back. <laughs> I like the high line and I think it works well. So, fair play to Long Lane, Carlos, and the uh, uh, two uh, fullbacks as well for you know coming into the team and managing that
0: well. I don't want to kind of like downplay any particular football tactic or way of playing because every way is you know they're all professional footballers, it's all they're coached on it five days a week, and everything whether it's long ball or high lines or whatever it is, it's all a way of playing. Having said that, for Carlos and Longley to come in and play, what, once every two or three weeks in the Conference League and then go out again, especially Carlos who's had a big injury, to come in and and just kind of seamlessly slot into that. If we were playing a lesser tactic where they received the ball and then hoofed it 80 yards and that was all that to do all game, receive it, move it, receive it, move Mm it, I'd kind of think, well, that's easier to adapt to that. To come in and play the high line in the same way that Torres and Conte do and to have to distribute the ball in the same way that Pau Torres does, that can't be an easy task. It isn't as simple as just receive it, hoof it. To come into a side that is very well drilled, like we all saw that picture, didn't we, a few weeks ago of the back line all like in exactly the same position like like Waxworks. For them to come in and fit into that cannot be an easy task and I think they deserve a lot of credit to come in and not look out of place in a, in a system that is more technical than just hoofing up the pitch.
1: Yeah, precisely. And again, that's credit to Emery, who will have, yeah. like, you can imagine that 11 kind of going through their drills and then uh, Longley is kind of just standing behind Torres, kind of mimicking him. Because <laughs> this is <laughs> it's the same thing for every player. Moreno and Dean have got to do the same thing. Torres and Longley, Carlos and Konza and across the team. So, yeah, credit to them because as you say, said that it's very complex what they've been asked to do. And it must—they must have a lot of pressure doing it as well because as a centre-back, you're in almost no man's land in some ways because you're thinking well, one ball over the top can, you know, cause us problems, but it doesn't because they are well organised and they've got Martinez, who mm. who knows his role as we mentioned earlier, sweeping. Um, but yeah, just on the ball, Longley, as I said, you know, there's, there's few players in world football who can play as a left-footed centre-back and have the passing range of Paul Torres, but Longley has come in, and he's. Um, He's filled that role really well and he's only a lone player. So, you know, very smart recruitment as well, I think, yeah.
0: from Monchi. Yeah, an unusual almost, for Villa at least, for have long lay. Should have scored a header. Uh, Diago Carlos did score a header. He's two centre-halves. Only Watkins yeah. scores a header as well, which we didn't really touch on too much yesterday. But that was a brilliant goal. And obviously the, the winner in the end as well, a really good header from Watkins. Uh, kind of well well scored, well taken, the chance <laughs> is a better phrase. Uh, yeah. And Douglas Louise the bit of extra quality that comes on the pitch for, for 20 minutes or so and, and changes the game effectively. Uh, that ball feels like it came out of nowhere absolutely on the money for Watkins and as we've said a million times it feels like an unbelievably gifted footballer.
1: Yeah just a moment of magic when he was um, warming up I think he came on I don't remember, around the 70th minute I think uh, when he was warming up he, was, he kept just glancing over to Emery because I think he just yeah. knew this is a game that he you know, I'm moving on soon. I've got to do something. Yeah. And he, he, he was confident enough to do, at some point he'll have the ball around the the, um, the edge of the box and he'll make a goal or he'll score a goal. The, literally the day before, um, yesterday, which was Wednesday, um, Emery spoke about Louise, about demanding more from him. He wants him to take more responsibility and build up and make more assists, things like that. So mm. basically, Emery sees him as a player who can really get to the top. You know, he can be one of the top midf- top midfielders in world football. Um, he's reaching that. I think to be fair, Louise. I think he's a top player. I don't think he'd look out of place in any team in, in Europe. Yes, they'll be interested in him moving forward, but Villa have all the cards because he's on a you know a contract that he signed last year and yeah, he's just an outstanding footballer and as I say, Emery can see where he's gonna progress from here as well and to have him. As the manager, you'd like to think that Luis can only see progression in his game. Still, he's come yeah. a long way in the last twelve months, but he's back in the Brazil team now. Uh, he's playing out his skin, and as I say, for a twenty-five-year-old to be in that position, you know, don't disrupt your flow, sort of thing. You can have a, you know, more years at Villa Park, developing into the player that Emery knows that he can become, and he mm. can kind of drive Villa. You know towards his own ambitions as well he wants to play in the champions league villa want to play in the champions league martinez wants to play in the champions league you know all of our players can get to that level and you just hope that the club can match those ambitions in in the coming year uh, or years shall i say
0: Right, John, we did settle down to do Inside More for Fulham and got carried away by talking about Alchemar. So I'm going to cut this video here and upload it today, get it out ASAP. And tomorrow we'll finish the Inside More preview for Fulham. So if you've enjoyed this chat, leave a like on the video, get involved in the comments. I feel like we had to do a bit of a deeper debrief on the outbar game because me and Kendrick did not do it justice last night. Um, so the Inside More show for Fulham will come out tomorrow, which is Saturday. So come back tomorrow for the chat about Emeridge Press Conference and all those kind of things. Uh, so, John, thanks for joining me on this one. And we'll see you all again tomorrow.